Brooke Hempel. I am head of research at Barna Group, doing research on the church and its intersection with faith and culture, reading and learning about people's perspectives on racial justice in our country. I was compelled to take a stance and to respond. And I'm Susan Robinson. I'm a big advocate for healing and hearing the pain and frustration, the fear that my friends of color were experiencing just compelled me to get more educated and more involved in the conversation about race in America. Race from Redemption exists to provide firsthand testimonies along with biblically and factually accurate nonpartisan content so that our listeners are empowered to pursue racial redemption right where they are planted. Join us as we listen, learn, lament, repent, and celebrate the restorative work Jesus is doing in our midst. Brooke, we're back. We're back. Can't believe it. We made it. It is January and it doesn't feel that different. (laughs) No. Yeah, we had about five days of reprieve in 2021 and we're right back at it. Yes, yes. (laughs) But no, it's good to be back. It's good to be um, able to talk through some of these things that we're experiencing in our world right now with you. Yeah, I mean, the last time we were together was election day. Right. That's when our last episode came out and it's been about 10 weeks and it feels like it's been five years. There's been a lot that's gone on. And it's been on my heart a lot to be able to talk through this with you and with our listeners and with some of our guests. So I'm thankful that we have plenty of content to cover. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, I think one of the hardest things for me over these past 10 weeks has been trying to disciple my children through Mm. the things that they're seeing and be a good example of living out the way that we're called to live for them. And to be honest with my own feelings, my own fears, but to also show them that I too am a sinner and that I have to repent and to always lead them to prayer. Yeah, It's been um, actually a really sweet time of growth in that area. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's been a little bit, yes, there's been growth, but also a lot more sadness than I yeah. expected. Just yeah. hearing from brothers and sisters of color in the church who mm-hmm. are just still reeling. Yeah, uh, The summary would be, we're not surprised, mm-hmm. but we're still shocked and hurt. And it's just hard to see the wear and tear. Yeah. Um, on on their emotions and their mental health mm-hmm. from what we're experiencing, the fact that it just keeps going, mm-hmm. right? And I think we're all experiencing that that yeah. fatigue. But especially for me, my heart's been really heavy for those who uh, are looking at this and seeing the same sorts of feelings of oppression that yeah. they have passed down from generation to generation. Yeah, it's been definitely a time of mourning. I told my husband the other day, I just feel like I've been leaking yeah. tears. Yeah, <laughs> Just leaking even throughout the day, no immediate cause, right. but just my spirit has been so mourned for where we are and really having to discipline myself to trust the story, trust the Lord, and um, not be overcome mm-hmm. with anger or fear. Well, I took the time to write a fun little list of what I, has happened since I the last time this. we were together. Because this list is almost as long as your list for systemic racism, <laughs> which was like 400 years. Oh my gosh. Well, the day that we released our last episode, Joe Biden was elected president and the Democrats took the House and there was a runoff for two key Senate seats that were set for January. 
here in our home state of Georgia. Yeah. So we have been living at the epicenter (laughs) of all this for quite a while, which is both exciting and exhausting. Oh, man. I mean, I feel like my mailbox has been responsible for the death of 500 trees. (laughs) And we're still, because of the delays at the post office, still getting political mailers and Christmas cards. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my gosh. Well, Trump, along with multiple Republican Party members, blamed voter fraud for this outcome, saying that he had won the election. And assertions of widespread election fraud ran rampant. There was a hashtag called Stop the Steal that started trending. So over 60 lawsuits were filed and lost by the Trump campaign in multiple states, including Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. They contested election processes, vote counting, and the vote certification process. Nearly all the suits were dismissed or dropped due to lack of evidence. Only one ruling was initially in Trump's favor, the timing within which first-time Pennsylvania voters must properly provide identification if they wanted to cure their ballots. But this ruling affected very few votes, and it was later overturned by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. And Susan, I wanted to interject on this because, man, we've talked so much about the whole voting process. And I think for a lot of people, this is new. Mm -hmm. Um, And in Georgia, we had the opportunity, I Mm -hmm. guess I would call it, um, to explore this about two years ago when Stacey Abrams ran for governor. And we had a super tight election Mm -hmm. and there were legitimate issues of this whole curing thing where people had not filled out their ballot properly. And then there's an opportunity to make a correction. There's so many reasons why that may happen. Right. And so I actually had a really cool experience and opportunity this fall to work with a bunch of people who were involved in Get Out the Vote mm-hmm. and in educating voters about the process. And I was actually even on some panels with people That's who awesome. had done this with Stacey Abrams' campaign okay. and had actually been elected officials too during that time who uh-huh. were in charge of all of that process of voter curing and voter counting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I learned a ton. And then this happened. And yes. it was amazing to go okay, hold on, this isn't new. They haven't uncovered something new. This actually has been happening for a long time. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of laws that were instituted back in 2018 to respond to what happened, or a lot of processes, Mm -hmm. I should say, processes that were implemented that now we were able to exercise even in this moment. So just it was just interesting to me to compare that to what we saw were the allegations mm-hmm. of voter fraud as if something new and, and surprising had happened. When it was really interesting to see what was happening even for our own officials that were over the counting yes. that were Republicans and yes. had clearly endorsed Trump and the Republican yes. Party suddenly being blamed and um, there was even, yes, and there was even allegations of a recorded phone call where Donald Trump and his attorney had put pressure on one of our officials to find mm-hmm. votes, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of controversy here in our state um, yeah. that was going on and it, we're still reeling from it. Yeah. And coupled with all the coronavirus stuff right. that's still been going on, the cases continue to increase and a new more contagious strain has actually been discovered, mm-hmm. creating more concern. Thanksgiving, Christmas, and the new year looked really different this year. <laughs> For sure. Really different. And many states declare bans or limits on holiday gatherings completely and continue to have various levels of lockdowns. The majority of students are still not attending school. They're still virtual and reported mental health issues are continuing to rise. Two vaccines for COVID were released, which is great news, initially for healthcare workers and the elderly before being made available to the general public. And the campaigning for the two Senate seats here in Georgia really increased, and it was bolstered by many rallies and visits from Trump and from Biden 
just right before the election here in our state. The race was really close, but both Democrats, Ossoff and Warnock, won the seats, and this created a 50-50 balance of power within the Senate. Which, I mean, just take a pause here and think about that for a moment. That could be awesome because you could be like, great, well, we have representation equally from both sides. Mm -hmm. But also it shows us the incredibly fractured nature of our country that we are like literally Literally. divided in half. And sadly, there's not a whole lot of region across the aisles that there used to be. But I think it really just speaks to the fact that there's no majority in this. Mm-hmm. That's that's important. There's mm-hmm. no majority opinion. We're, we're really straight down the middle on this. And if we're not looking for ways to understand mm-hmm. the other person, mm-hmm. the other side, how could this Bible-believing Christian mm-hmm. sitting across from me have voted for a different party right. than I have? I mean, we're just going to see continuing escalation of the issues that we're seeing now. Like we've got to start realizing that the way we've been engaging politically is not working. Yeah. It's not working. We've got to find a better way. And thankfully, the Bible shows us a better way. Yes. We just need to start implementing it, right? Yes. So we're going to talk about that today. So the next day, January 6th, while Congress was in session certifying the Electoral College results, a mob traveled from the D.C. Save America March where Trump and others spoke, and they made all their way to the Capitol. The mob proceeded to storm the Capitol building. Many protesters became violent, breaking through barricades, doors, and windows, assaulting Capitol police and reporters, erecting gallows, enchanting hang Mike Pence, looting and vandalizing house chambers and offices. There was even an account of someone defecating and smearing it on the walls. And they were planting improvised explosive devices on Capitol grounds, as well as at the DNC and the RNC. Mm -hmm. Dozens were injured. Five people were killed. I mean, I think we sat just appalled at what we were seeing, shocked. I don't think I ever expected to see our Capitol stormed by American citizens, Mm -hmm. but also not surprised. Not at all surprised. Based on what we've been seeing growing and growing and growing. And I think if if we've had ears to hear, especially to listen to our brothers and sisters of color, mm-hmm. there was a lot of information out there that should have cued us in to things heading in this direction. Yeah, we saw the average going backwards in terms of concern for justice issues, concern mm-hmm. for especially racial justice issues. And that was from 19 to 20. And so it's like, well, if that's happening, then that means there's a large swath of Americans Mm -hmm. who's really pushing back right now. And then we heard all the rhetoric of stirring that up and and kind of inciting or calling them to respond to what's happening. And so um, it wasn't surprising. In fact, I'm actually quite surprised it didn't happen sooner, to be honest. But the timing of it, when all of those 60 lawsuits that you mentioned had already been turned away. Yes. The fact that that there's still just this conviction that something is rightfully ours that we're going to go take right. it is just stunning. Mm-hmm. It's just stunning. And there's just been so much feeding the flames within the media, but also by elected officials, coupled mm-hmm. with all the conspiracy theories mm-hmm. that are out there creating. I mean, people are terrified. Yeah. I can't imagine sitting and and just inundating myself with all of these conspiracy theories all day, what it would be like. Yes. Who could you trust? You would be terrified. Yeah. You would look and say, there's nothing left to do but 
Right. In this direction. I mean, it's really, I think it would be so interesting for us to have a psychologist on oh, one day sure. to, to hear about the psychology behind what's led people to get to this place, mm-hmm. which is so interesting because so many people that we saw storming the Capitol were the same people that were denouncing what was happening over the summer with the riots. And right. let me say, I, I do not agree with violence, rioting, anything like that no matter who, there, there are better ways to engage. And we're called as Christians to engage in a different, higher way. But I think if we can look underneath that, these people were feeling the same frustration, exactly. the same, there's nothing left for me to do but this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we weren't totally surprised, but just disappointed. Yeah. And so here we are in this moment yeah. of what next. Um, we have seven days to go till inauguration and anything could happen. Yeah. It's January 13th when we're recording this. Let's note that because the episode is going to come out a couple of weeks later. We may post edit. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Add a little disclaimer in at the end. But the FBI is continuing to identify and arrest perpetrators, charging them with a wide range of federal Mm -hmm. offenses from unlawful entry to possession of destructive devices. And House Democrats and actually some Republicans have come along with this as well are seeking to impeach the president for inciting the violence that we've seen here. Mm -hmm. They're actually debating that right now as we're recording. Mm -hmm. And big tech firms have banned President Trump from using their social media platforms. So I didn't even know what Parler was until last (laughs) week. I was like, I mean, I knew people were gathering somewhere to have these conversations, but I didn't even know there were entire apps. Oh, yeah. That were enabling these conversations and, and organization. Yeah. Um, and again, this is where I have to say, listen to your black and brown brothers and sisters yeah. because they have been saying this. Yeah. And they all knew exactly what these apps were and who was having what conversations. Some of them were even monitoring them and had been raising the red flag for mm-hmm. a long time. Well, and we have gotten so siloed in these echo chambers of people that are continuing to validate our same way of thinking over and over and over again. And if you look even back 10 years ago, before social media really has risen to where it is, you were engaging with your church, with your neighborhood, with mm-hmm. your school, and there was a wide variety of voices that you were hearing. Right. There were a lot of people that you didn't agree with, that you did life with all the time. Mm-hmm. And it created a level of compassion and understanding in people that we're sorely lacking now. Right. You now sit and believe that everyone thinks the way you do. And mm-hmm. so it's shocking to hear mm-hmm. that any right-minded person mm-hmm. would think something different. And this, I think, is the really interesting conversation that's coming out of this time now. It's this idea of freedom of speech within these social media apps. And you also look and see what Amazon did when they refused to host this app parlor, Mm -hmm. basically saying it's not available anymore. They don't have a host, so they're not able to use it. So what is the responsibility of private companies when it comes to freedom of speech, especially when they really are the way that most people get their news these days? Mm -hmm. You know, we're not going to solve that today, but I just think it's something to continue to think about and pray about as we're looking into the future. Yeah. Yeah, definitely raises some important questions. But actually, as Christians, we're not called to focus on what are we free to do, but what is good to do? Thank right. you. You have so many freedoms. Thank you. But that does not make all things good. Right. Totally. It's that concept of eschesis is the Greek word for it that the disciples lived under, that there was freedom and restraint. Yes. That it's not truly freedom when you're living with no restraint. Yeah. That 
you can find joy and peace by limiting yourself and living within the way that God's called us to. Mm-hmm. That was a lot. Yeah. Did I miss anything? Did we miss anything, Brooke? <laughs> no, that was a lot. I'm that sure was, we did, which is sad. Just a couple of weeks. <laughs> Woo. It was a lot. Yeah. So we've just been processing this and, you know, thinking about what are some of the lessons we're taking away from this? Mm-hmm. I have to say the thing that initially uh, I focused on and a lot of people focused on was the juxtaposition of Confederate flags and yeah. nooses that to the so Jesus save signs. That was so hard to see. One of my friends joked, if if you're waving a Confederate flag, you probably aren't going to believe you lost, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> if yeah. you're holding on to something that happened right. over 150 years ago, you're probably also not going to believe this election didn't go the way you'd hoped it would go. Right. All of those old wounds, and we know mm-hmm. in the way God's eternal world works, all of those old sins of the past are still being carried with us. They're yes. in our hearts and they're in our they're in our bones in a lot of yes. ways. They're baked into our systems and societies. And so there was that festering wound that I mm-hmm. could just see in those signs, that juxtaposition of claiming Christianity and then holding on to yeah. these worldly systems um, that just was making me feel very sick. And I tell you, none of our Black brothers and sisters miss those two things. Oh, for sure. And I think it really shines a light on how often we say, well, there's not systemic racism. Mm -hmm. We're not racist within this country, you know? Mm -hmm. And when our brothers and sisters of color see those things, that just reiterates to them over and over again. I mean, that the Capitol had a Confederate flag being yeah. run around inside of it last week. Yeah. Last week. That's terribly painful. Yeah. Terribly and, painful. And I want to say to our listeners who maybe are just beginning to think about, like, what does that mean to mm-hmm. embrace the Confederate flag? Um, I grew up, I mean, here we are in the Deep South. I grew yeah. up in Georgia seeing it quite a, it used to be on our own flag, our own state flag, mm-hmm. seeing it everywhere and thinking that's just Southern pride. And I did not understand how it had been used. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the important thing to remember when something is used as a symbol for a belief or an action, that's when it becomes um, something more than just pride. Well, and it's so associated now with with white supremacy here, way beyond it's lost any type of thought like that, that if we see it, it's about rebellion. It's about white power. Yes. This is really funny, but there's actually an eight minute video, nine minute video that you can find, just just Google it or, or search it on YouTube. And it's from the Golden Girls, oh. which is one of my favorite shows. <laughs> but th- it's between Don Cheadle oh. and Rue McClanahan, who played Blanche. And it's this same concept. She had put up a Confederate flag for dinner she was having. <laughs> and he came in as he, he was her friend. And he came in and was like, what are you doing? And she said, well, this is just about my history. I grew up this way. My my daddy always had, you know, and it was just, a, I'm not going to go into it now, but yeah. just go watch that. Yeah. It gave a really great eight minute perspective and showed her way of being able to understand and see what she saw as history was actually painful to, to Dawn. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. And, and we may tackle this as a whole separate episode, so we're going to not go into depth there, but there's just a lot to unpack there. I think this was a good moment of saying, where is our loyalty? Because mm-hmm. when you see the Jesus saves and a Confederate flag, where is your loyalty? Mm-hmm. Is your loyalty in God and his word? Is your loyalty in something else? Yeah. And that's so important for us to just be evaluating our hearts on that right now. Well, another thing that we saw was 
appropriate levels of force being mm-hmm. used within the Capitol and quite a good amount of de-escalation. There was definitely, for the police force that was there, they were doing what they could. Although I just read an article this morning that said there were actually some Capitol police that were participating. For sure. Mm-hmm. So that we have to acknowledge that as well. But I think another thing that was really tough for people of color to see is how the police were able to successfully de-escalate the situation that was happening. I mean, did it take three hours for the National Guard to even come come in? in? I know there's a lot of stuff in the background between the mayor and what had been determined could happen if something like this was to occur. But again, I've heard so many people of color say, if that had been a predominantly black crowd, Mm -hmm. the level of injury, the level of death that we would have seen. And arrests. Arrests. On the spot. On the spot would have been significantly higher. Yeah. There were some statistics I was looking at in terms of arrests Mm -hmm. and at protests, which were not necessarily riots for Black Lives Matter Mm -hmm. over the course of the summer. Uh, There were hundreds of arrests Mm -hmm. um, at many of these protests, and there were really none on the spot at at an actual insurrection in the Capitol building. So something is imbalanced there for sure. Yes. One of the things that stuck out to me also watching some of the aftermath um, of what was happening inside the Capitol was the beauty of seeing Congress people praying. Absolutely. Some powerful prayers. Very good. And it reminded me, um, it's easy to talk about attacking the seat of power, but these were people inside. Mm -hmm. Um, And so to remember that God has placed people in those roles and he anoints and directs Mm -hmm. who is leading in government, whether they are for him or not. But he has placed specific people in Congress who are followers of Jesus Mm -hmm. and they are actively praying and we're in that moment, especially when we look at partisan politics and we think, well, the other person's just not Christian. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely not true. Mm -hmm. And there was a whole lot of prayer on both sides of the line during this event. So we really were witnessing, I think, over the course of this past year, extremism moving to the right, extremism moving to the left, Mm -hmm. far beyond liberal and conservative Mm -hmm. to alt-right, alt-left. And when that happens, really the only choice you're going to see between that is revolution. You're going to see one mob do one thing, the other mob has to get bigger and do the next thing, next thing, next thing, leading to revolution. Or we're going to have to really evaluate our hearts and start realizing that we need repentance yeah. to lead us to revival. Mm-hmm. So we have two choices here as a country. Are we going to move to revolution or are we going to move to revival through mm-hmm. repentance? And to be honest, that doesn't start by looking at the person around you or looking to the left and the right and saying they need to do this. They're wrong. Yeah. They change. It starts by looking inside of our own hearts, each individual person, and allowing God to bring to light your sin, Mm. convict you, Mm -hmm. confess, repent, and then bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Mm -hmm. That's how we're going to be able to move to revival. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And and that's been one of the things I've been examining in my own heart over this time too, is it's very easy for me to say, oh yeah, we saw this coming. Oh, we Mm -hmm. knew this. Oh, here's all the signs that for four years we've been watching saying this is not, this does not look like it's going to be end well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And yet that does no good right now. It doesn't really help us solve the problem. So 
I do think it's important to examine and to own what has happened, but at the same time, I first have to examine my heart. Mm-hmm. And so that's been a lot of what I've been doing and trying to maintain a sense of respect for and grace towards yeah. people of any conviction in this situation. Well, a few months ago, John Piper wrote an article that he took a lot of heat from within church leaders where he equated arrogance and abortion as sin, that there's mm-hmm. no degrees to sin. Good. And that for some reason, we've started elevating some sins as more important than others, but that arrogance kills in just the same way. And that's what we saw Yeah, at yeah. the Capitol. We saw the results, the fruit of arrogance, mm. the fruit of pride, yeah, the fruit of fear, the fruit of anger that was happening. Yeah. And it did. It killed directly that day, but it is also killing us spiritually. Yes, absolutely. On that note, I'd love to read a little scripture that popped up in our sermon at church sure. um, from First Timothy and uh, look for the signals of pride in this, right? So First Timothy 1, starting in verse 3b, he's telling Timothy, remain in Ephesus so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines, nor pay attention to myths and endless genealogies, which give rise to mere speculation rather than furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Mm. So in that you hear, yes, there needs to be a commitment to doctrine and Mm -hmm. we need to correct where there's false teachings and oh my gosh, conspiracy theories are all over that, right? But also that the goal is love Love. and arrogance cannot sit where there is love. Or Mm self-protection. Man, you're so right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think what this is revealing to us is, are we going to honestly believe and live under what God's Word tells us to do? I mean, we're experiencing so much pressure, so much fear. There's so much confusion and suffering. But are we going to be able to put into practice what His Word says? Or are we going to just let it fall to the side and go the way that we think we should, Mm -hmm. the way we want Christianity to go. Yeah. We're not living out what God's called us to do. Yeah. We're not loving well. No. We're not Our witness has been sincerely hindered by yeah, what just we're happened. We're not seeing the fruit of repentance. I mean, I really fall under this mindset that I learned about a year ago in studying Genesis that the point of what God was trying to get us to understand is to trust the story. The story that God is unfolding before right us, now. right? Mm-hmm. Are, are we going to make ourselves the major players? Are we going to make it about us? Are we the center of the story? Mm-hmm. Or is He the center of the story, Christ and God the author? Mm-hmm. And we are going to believe that He placed us for such a time as this, that He knows when we're going to live, that He knows our boundaries, and not wish away for another time, not say, if we could just go back to how things were, or I just hate that my children or my grandchildren have to live in a world like this. Right? No, God has empowered and equipped us to live now. Are we going to do that well? Part of what I've had to do is really go through the scriptures and repeat them to myself Mm -hmm. as as I've tried to just renew my heart over this past year. So I want to share a couple of those as we come to an end. Proverbs 19.21 says, many are the plans in the mind of man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Nothing's going to thwart his plan, mm-hmm. right? The Lord of hosts has sworn, as I have planned, so shall it be. And as I have purpose, so shall it stand. Isaiah 14. Psalm 22 says, for kingship belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. He is ruling. Yes. He is ruling right now. 
Isaiah 55, I love this chapter. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return, There, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent. God's plans are going to always succeed. Nothing can stop it, right? Mm -hmm. But also that we need to love and not hate like you were hitting on before. Matthew 5 says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous, that we need to pray before we act. I think we're so, especially with social media, just so quick to just throw out whatever we're thinking without tempering it with prayer that we've been trying to use worldly weapons instead of spiritual armor and the Mm. spiritual weapons that God's given us. And that we need to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. We may repent, but if you don't keep in it and continue to bear fruit in it, you've not truly repented. Repenting is turning away, right? And (laughs) it's a turning away from that thing and going in a different direction. Philippians 4 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God. We all need this. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's Mm -hmm. through prayer. Mm -hmm. That's through prayer, Mm -hmm. not posting it on social media. Mm -hmm. Ephesians 6 says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day, having done all, and stand firm. Stand firm in the spiritual armor. Mm-hmm. That's what we're called to do. Mm-hmm. Second Chronicles says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, I've heard people take this and apply it to someone on the other side of the party line. Yeah. Apply it to somebody outside of themselves. They yeah. need to repent from their wicked ways. No, no. Yeah. He's talking talking to to me. Yeah. He's talking to me and he's talking to you and he's talking to us as individuals. And this in particular chronicles the context there. I mean, think of, think about nationalism. Oh yeah. Think of the story of Saul and Israel saying, Mm -hmm. we want a king, we want a king. And God's like, okay, fine. I'll give you your king. Yep. And Saul makes a mess of things just and over and over again. Through his pride and arrogance. And he becomes violent and he incites violence amongst other people. And then God says, I've I've got a different plan. It looks like this. And it looks like the, you know, the person that you wouldn't have thought of, but he still worked through Saul. Right. That is so important. So that context of that second Chronicles passage of just the whole of Israel and their nationalism and God trying to change their mindset. It's not about what I'm doing in your country and your kingdom. Mm -hmm. It's what I'm doing in my heavenly ways through you spiritually. Yeah. Yeah. One by one. Yeah. One by one. Mm -hmm. So I hope this has been encouraging to you. As you've heard this, we can live in this tension of feeling sorrow, of mourning, and feeling sadness and and frustration over what we're experiencing. But we are also not without hope that we we do have hope. And by seeking the Lord in prayer, by letting the word be what you're meditating on, mm-hmm. not the articles, the news, the social media, whatever, yes. and being able to go out and talk to your neighbor. Yeah. Talk to somebody that 
disagrees maybe with the yes. things that you're saying, try to understand. Listen well. <laughs> we have to talk to each other, yes. you know, like yeah. Christians, clearly 50-50, there are Christians that voted Democrat and Christians that voted Republican Absolutely. and both feel that they they were executing the will of God and were called to that. Absolutely. Go talk to someone that voted differently than you. Try to understand why they did that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. And pray. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of that right now. Thank you for joining us today for the Race and Redemption podcast. Make sure not to miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button on our page wherever you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at Race and Redemption so you can join the conversation today. This episode was produced by Matt Owen for Soul Graffiti Productions.